Hey, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Brownsbridge Church podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download the Brownsbridge Church app where you can access all of our recent message content as well as find out more information about Brownsbridge Church. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Have you ever noticed that we are really good at having a double standard? You know what a double standard is, right? We have uh, us and uh, we have one set of rules for us, one set of expectations for us, one set of standards for us. And then we have them. And we have a different set of standards, a different set of rules, a different set of expectations for them. This is a double standard. Standard, And we're all really, really good at having one. And if you're pushing back in your mind, all you need to do is take a few short steps and go over to Georgia 400 uh, to see what I mean by this. Um, we've, we've all been in that situation where we're driving down the road and uh, all of a sudden blue lights in the rear view mirror. And it's like immediately we're like, we don't know what we've done, but we are being pulled over. And, you know, heart rate goes up and... You know, we come, you know, he or she comes up to the doors, hey, get license and registration, give it to them, they go back to their car. And it's like the whole time we're just like palms start sweating. You know, we don't know what's coming next. And all of us, 100% of us, we all want the same thing when that police officer comes back to the car. Let's all say at the same time what we want. When, we, when, when, when that police officer comes back to the car, we all want to be sent home with a... Warning. Yes, we all want a warning. That's for us. But what about someone else? What if it's them? I'm not sure who them is for you. Um, I imagine that, that everybody can relate to this. Um, uh, when you're driving down the road and all of a sudden, I mean, you feel like you're going at a really good speed. You're at speed limit, maybe a few miles per hour over the speed limit. So it's like you're cooking along and all of a sudden there's somebody behind you who doesn't think you're going fast enough. And they're right up on your bumper. And they're, in fact, they're so close that you can see all of their motions, all of their facial expressions. You can feel the disappointment from their car to your car. And they're also close enough for you to read their lips and see what they're saying, which is not pleasant either. And, you know, finally, you know, they're motioning, they're clicking on their blinker. I mean, they're, they're letting you know in every way possible that you uh, need to, to speed up. And then all of a sudden they, they finally, they've had enough. They just, you know, rip over into the other lane and they go flying past you. But uh, you're able just to catch just real quickly them telling you that you're number one as they pass by. And then they're gone, they're off in the distance. And a few miles ahead, you come around the corner and all of a sudden this person is pulled over, okay? They're, they're on the side of the road. They're in the same situation that we just talked about, just talked about for ourselves. But in that moment, in that moment, what do we want for them? We all want the maximum sentence, don't we? We're like, what, what is the full extent of the law here, officer? Like, hey, I'd, I'd like to, you, you might even pull over and say, hey, can I add a few things, you know, to, to what you pulled them over for? I mean, you're thinking to yourself, hey, uh, this, there's got to be something in their past too. Can you look back in their past and maybe bring up some of those things and punish them, punish them for those as well? We want a warning for ourselves. We want a maximum sentence for them. This is a double standard. 
and we all do it. We don't wish, we don't wish the same grace for others that we do for ourselves. You don't have to think very long to, to come up with other examples of this. Maybe for you, if, if, if you've been in the grocery store recently and you had 17 items and you get into the 15 items or less line, you know, this is a great example of this. You're, you're standing there and you see the cashier, they, they start counting your items and you know, like I've got more than 15. I'm breaking the rules here. But what do you want in that moment? You want them to go, oh, it's fine. Just come on. Th- yeah, we'll check you out. It's okay. You know, doot, 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 doot. However, if the situation's reversed, you're just picking up a pack of gum and, and you get in line and you're behind a guy that's got 16 or 17 items in the 15 item line and you see the cashier counting up and you're thinking, oh good, yeah, she's gonna see he's got more than 15 items. Manager's gonna call him over. Sir, we're gonna need you to come over here. I mean, that's what we're hoping for in that moment, right? We don't wish, we don't wish the same grace for others that we do for ourselves. There's so many different examples of this and we all do it. In fact, one of the things that contributes to this uh, is something that psychologists have studied and they've, they've, they end up, uh, they've put this label on it called the fundamental attribution error. Fundamental attribution error. It means that we attribute certain behaviors or certain actions to character, eliminating the possibility that it's just chance or circumstance. And the error is actually twofold. Uh, we, we do not attribute our own actions to character Those are always chance and circumstance. We have a reason for those. But for other people, it's oftentimes that we will attribute whatever they're doing, whatever choice they're making, whatever words they're saying, whatever actions they're taking to their character. So if they're speeding down the road, we think, oh, that's a a bad person. You know, I mean, we may not say it in that, in those terms. We're like, you know, they're endangering other lives. I mean, my kids are in the backseat. I mean, that person, they, they just have no character or they're at least lacking in character. Or, or maybe they, uh, you know, they tell a, a little white lie. And for us, it's like, see, they're a liar. I told you they're a liar. Or, we, you know, we walk by the break room at work and they're chowing down on all the sweets in the break room. And we're like, see, that person doesn't have any discipline when it comes to their diet. You know, we, we attribute things to their character automatically. But for us, for us, it's always chance. It's always circumstance. We always have a reason or an explanation or an excuse. If I get caught speeding, it's because I was late for a meeting. No, I had a really important meeting that I needed to be be at or my kids had something going on. I had to get home. I mean, that that was, it was just the circumstance that I was in. You know, if we tell a white lie, it's like, well, it was mostly true. I mean, I didn't tell, yeah, sure. I didn't tell the whole truth, but like 90% of it was true and only 2% of it, 10% of it was like a little bit exaggerated. Or, or we're in the break room and we're chowing down. It's like, look, it's not my fault that they had crumble cookie in the office today, all right? It was Steve's birthday. It was Steve's birthday. And I didn't wanna be like non-hospitable. I mean, it's like, I can't be the only person not chowing down on those cookies. So yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not really my fault. This is the fundamental attribution error at play. And it's part of the reason, part of the reason that we uh, have this double standard. It's what leads us to have a double standard. We don't, again, we don't wish the same grace for others that we do for ourselves. And unfortunately, when we do this, we are not following Jesus. We can uh, 
believe all the right things. We can sing all the songs, but when we do this, we are not following Jesus. When we see this in our lives, it's actually highlighting an area for us of our lives that has not been changed by our relationship with Jesus. A part of us that's not yet redeemed, a part of us that's not been shifted in his direction. And that's one of the main parts of following Jesus is when we bump into an area of life that doesn't align with him, we we reshape it in his direction. And if you're not a Christian today, you you may think that Christians just think that they punch a ticket to heaven and then uh, because their eternity is secure, they can kind of be a jerk the rest of the time they live their life on earth. But let me just, uh, just give you this assurance. That is not following Jesus. That's a misunderstanding about what Christianity is. When we follow, we follow with open hands. Everything's on the table. And if we sense something or we see something that doesn't line up with what we know to be true of him, we change. We repent. And that can be a a loaded word for some people, but it simply just means that we change our mind about something. We see it differently. We see those things, we ask for God's help. God, help me with this thing. I see that it doesn't line up with your life, so help me. This is following Jesus. And what we're gonna look at today, a topic we're gonna be on today is one of the most crucial, fundamental, central parts of following Jesus. In fact, if we miss this, uh, it pretty much doesn't matter what else we do. If you're just joining us, we're in a series, actually wrapping it up today. You're kind of coming in at the end of the movie. Uh, But we've been in a series the last couple of weeks called More Than Words. And we're looking at when Jesus talked about prayer. In fact, the moment that he most clearly and directly addressed prayer. Uh, It's when he introduced to the world what, what is now probably the most famous prayer in the world. It's commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. And even if you're not a person of faith, Uh, You know this prayer, you know parts of this prayer, you've heard this prayer, you may have even recited it as a kid. And um, what we're talking about in the series is that it's really not about the words. Jesus said, this then is how you should pray, but he wasn't giving us a formula of things we should say. He actually was giving us a way of living. He was saying, this should be your perspective. This should be uh, your mindset, your heart set in every aspect of life. And so uh, again, if you missed the last couple of weeks, These kind of build on each other. So I would encourage you to go back, watch week one, watch week two. We begin to unpack what he said in this prayer after he said, this then is how you should pray. But then he gets to this part of the prayer that we're gonna look at today. And forgive us our debts as we have also, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now this is said in a couple different ways. The, the, this word debt and debtors can be referred to as sins. Sometimes the, the, depending on the translation you use, it says sins. It may use trespasses. That may have been the version of the prayer that you memorized growing up. Lord, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I, I like the good news translation. I feel like it makes it really, really clear. It says this, it says, forgive us the wrongs we have done as we forgive the wrongs that others have done to us. So sometimes we see this prayer as, uh, oh, forgive us, but it's not just forgive. This word right here actually connects these two, part, it, two parts. It brings them together, which is important because 
We like this part, but we don't always like this part. This part comes natural to us, but this part right here, we resist. And the overall idea is, God, as, as your grace flows to me, let it flow from me. Yes, I want forgiveness. Please give me your grace. Please forgive me. But as your grace flows to me, let it flow from me. We don't want our lives to become obstacles to this grace of God that he has shown us. And oftentimes we can see this as a request, like this is a question. This is something we're asking of God, but really it's more than just a request. It's actually a test. It's a checkup. And it's not a test from God or a checkup from God. It's, it's a test from ourselves. It's an opportunity for us to do a checkup on ourselves. Not just forgiveness for me. Oh, am I being forgiven? But am I not offering the same grace to someone else? Is there anyone in my life, any part of my life where I'm blocking the grace of God, the very grace that he's shown me? I'm actually stopping him from showing other people? If we pray the Jesus way, we can't ask to have our name cleared while at the same time holding a debt over someone else's head. If we pray the Jesus way, if we live the Jesus way, we can't just try to get grace for ourselves while wanting the folks around us to pay for what they've done. Here's one way to look at it. Um, imagine for just a second that uh, the whole world works like a giant bank. Um, and every time we do something wrong, it creates a debt that's held on a ledger or a document of some kind. And God has a box with our name on it. Again, I know this is a little bit silly. It's a little bit outlandish, but just go with me for just a minute. And uh, there's... There's moments where we do things in life, you know, where we, we look at them and we say, you know what, this, yeah, that, that, that just wasn't right. I mean, there's moments, maybe there's a file in, in there of, of anger. Like we have moments where we lose our temper. Um, we didn't stay as calm as we wanted to. We kind of lost it on that coworker in that conversation. And we look at it and we go, you know what, that was, that was probably wrong. And that moment goes right here in the file, anger. Maybe, uh, again, we said this one earlier, lies. You know, we, we told, yeah, a little bit of a fabrication. Wasn't that big of a deal. And we have a, a folder of these as well. We have moments where we're selfish. We know the right thing to do. We know what would be good. We know what would be helpful to that other person. We know what would be um, most beneficial in the situation, but we kind of want to do something else. So we go that direction. Our spouse needs help. Our kids need help. Somebody we know, they, they, it's like, yeah, that would probably be the good thing, the right thing to do, but I just, yeah, I'm gonna go over here in this direction. We do selfish things. They get put in the file. Uh, this is uh, one that's a little bit uh, comical, um, especially if you grew up in church, you'll relate to this, but unspokens. See, if you didn't grow up in church, you're missing out because uh, you would have these moments where you would take prayer requests in like a small group or Bible study or Sunday school class, you'd say, hey, prayer requests. And people would talk about these different things they want prayer, prayer for. And then inevitably someone would say, unspoken, which 
really just made you, when you started praying, you weren't thinking about the prayer. You were thinking about what has this person done in their life that they don't want to say? Like what's in the unspoken folder? But we all have one of these. And um, again, in our, in our illustration here, we have this box. It's got our name on it. God's holding it. And we're saying, God, would you forgive me of these things? Even if you're not a person of faith, even, even if you, you're like, I'm not even sure there is a God. If, when you think about it, you're going, gosh, if there is, I just, I sure hope that I get grace for the things that are in my box. And that makes sense, right? But the illustration can't end there. Because you see, God's not the only one that has boxes. We have boxes as well. We have boxes of people that have hurt us. We have boxes of uh, people that have been unfair towards us. When something happens in our lives and, and, and maybe we just don't even like it, we end up creating boxes as well. And, and um, you know, I don't know what the categories are for you, but we, we all have a bunch of them. Maybe it's a, a boss or maybe it's an ex-boss or ex-bosses. We've got boxes for our family, you know, our brothers and sisters, maybe, our moms, our dads, our spouses. This one's, this one's Kelly's, my, my wife, Kelly. And that's, oh yeah, it's empty, see? Yeah, yeah, good there. Okay, just wanted to clear that up. But <clears throat> yeah, so we get hurt, right? And whether it's something really, really small or really, really big, we, we can begin to hold on to those things. And really, I think this number of boxes probably doesn't even do us justice. Like reality is, reality is, this probably looks more something like this right here. If we were to think about all the things in our lives, all the times, all the moments where we've been hurt. And some of those things are really, really old got some boxes with mold on them and cobwebs on them. And I mean, they're decades old, something from your childhood, something from our high school, college years. Some of them are brand new. Some of them, we, 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 can, we can create a new box like that. I mean, you may have created one this weekend. You know who comes to mind. Most of these people we know, but some of them are complete strangers. I mean, most of them, we got first name, middle name, last name. We might have birthday. We might have a lot of information on the outside of the box about who that person is. And then others just may say that guy, that girl, complete strangers do something to us. This is what happens on Georgia 400, isn't it? It's like, you got a box that says that guy on Georgia 400 driving the red truck. You don't even know his name, but because of what he did, it just, it irritated you and yeah, the box is small, but you, you got a box for him. Um, we can have really, really big things, major trauma in life, earthquake events that have happened, but then also some really, really tiny things can get put in a box as well. And we end up walking around life and carrying around all of this. And it affects us without us even knowing it. It ends up being a burden on our lives. You can see from the visual, just you can see how heavy this would be. 
We're in a conversation that has nothing to do with, with one of these boxes, but we get short with this person over here because we're carrying this pain and this hurt, bitterness and resentment over here. And oftentimes our, our, our reasoning behind not letting go, not forgiving is because we just think to ourselves, what they did to us is too wrong. They were wrong and they need to know they were wrong. So I really can't forgive them. I really can't free them. I really can't let go of them. I got to hold on to the bitterness. I got to hold on to the resentment. And we think in doing that, that we're punishing them. But who gets hurt when we do that? We do, right? There's a, there's a famous quote that, um, and I don't even know who originally said it, but there's a famous quote that uh, says that when we hold out on forgiveness, trying to punish the other person. It's like drinking poison and waiting for them to die. We're holding back that forgiveness, thinking that we're punishing them, but we're actually punishing ourselves. We're the ones carrying the weight. We're the ones trying to go from thing to thing to thing, all the while carrying all of this. Big hurts, little hurts, people that we know, people that we don't know. New hurts. New hurts. Old hurts. And this is what Jesus was trying to free us from when he said, this then is how you should pray. It's, it's more than words. It's a, it's a lifestyle. He was saying, for, forgive us the wrongs we've done. Yeah, we're gonna do this part. We're gonna think about this box, but also, so anybody that I need to forgive around me that has wronged me, and the interesting thing is that church, depending on the church you grew up in, they did a really good job focusing on the box that you have with God. It's like, oh yeah, you want to take care of your stuff between you and God. They do a really good job. And we naturally, I think, do a really good job of, of focusing on, okay, God, I've done some wrong things. Will you please forgive me? And oftentimes we don't give any thought to everyone else that has wronged me or you or us. And Jesus is saying, no, that's, that's not the way to live. This is the way to live. This should be your mindset. This should be your heart set in everything you do. Later in the gospel of Matthew, Jesus is with the disciples and um, Peter ends up asking this question. Somehow forgiveness came up and Peter said, well, Jesus, how many times should we forgive I mean, I'm sure they were looking at Jesus and they were watching his life and they're going, okay, this seems like a lot of grace. This is radical forgiveness. I mean, he's invited tax collectors to follow us. We, we've got people in all ways of life, all backgrounds that are following us and being a part of this group. So it's like, this is radical, radical forgiveness. And I think they were probably going, okay, there's gotta be an end to this. There's gotta be a line to it. So, so Peter's trying to figure out the line. He says, Jesus, how many times should we forgive? And then he goes ahead and answers his own question. Seven times? Peter, Peter thinks he's shooting really, really high. Like, watch this, I'll impress him, watch. He's gonna be impressed with how graceful I am. Hey, Jesus, how many times should we forgive? Seven times? And Peter doesn't even get close. Jesus responds, he says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. 
And then as Jesus often does, he jumps into a story to illustrate his point. We call them parables. And there's a parable in Matthew 18 that Jesus tells. It says this, therefore the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, the way things work in God's economy, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servant. And in every parable, there is typically a God character in the parable and there's an us character in the parable, me and you. And in this one, the king represents God. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began his settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now this is the me and the you part of the story that you'll see in just a second. He owed 10,000 bags of gold. Since he was not able to pay, that's a tremendous, tremendous amount of money. The master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Common practice in the first century, if you owed a debt to someone and you couldn't pay it, all of a sudden you were theirs and everything you had was theirs. Not good news for the servant. So at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master, the king, took pity on him, canceled the debt and let him go. So he didn't even hold it over his head and say, okay, you can pay me back bit by bit, you know, coin by coin, you can pay me back this 10,000 bags of gold. He just says, no, I'm gonna cancel the debt and let you go. But when the servant went out, When the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. Now keep in mind, the first servant, the first servant owed 10,000 bags of gold. The actual percentage difference here is irrelevant. It was a huge amount that the first servant owed. It's a very, very small amount that the second servant, the fellow servant owed to the first servant. So what does he do? Sure, he lets him off, right? He's just experienced his grace. He's just had this huge debt relieved. He's gonna at least be patient with him in in paying him back, right? Nope. He grabbed him, Uh uh-oh, and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. Which remember earlier in the parable, this is exactly what the first servant said to the king. Be patient with me and I'll pay it back. So we're thinking, oh, okay, great. Maybe he'll be reminded, but he refused. Instead, he went off, had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt, which good luck paying back a debt when you've been thrown in prison. That would be very, very challenging. When the other servants saw what had happened, so there's the first servant who owed the king. There's the second servant who owned the first servant. And then there's like a crowd watching this. There's all the other servants. When they saw what happened, they were outraged. And you know who else was outraged? Jesus' audience in the first century. They would have been gritting their teeth and been like, what, this is so unjust, I can't believe this. And you know who else is outraged? Me and you. When we see it in this light, we're like, yeah, that, that that makes no sense. How could he forgive them? Yet, yet we do the same thing. We do the same thing. Servants were outraged and they went and they told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Which is the point that all of us see so clearly as well. 
In anger, his master handed him over to jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owes. And then Jesus jumps out of the parable, wraps up, kind of here's the moral of the story. He says, this is how your heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. And that sounds harsh. And, and Jesus may have been using a bit of hyperbole here, but he was trying to highlight the absurdity of what we do. We don't offer the same grace to other people that we desire for ourselves. And when we do, it's not just destructive to us, it's destructive to them and it's destructive to the kingdom of God. In fact, uh, in the parable, in the parable, Jesus, and when he describes the, the story, you may, you remember that the first servant, the first servant actually owed all of this. He owed 10,000 bags of gold to the king that the king forgave and, and his fellow servant only owed him 100 silver coins. First servant only owed this. And Jesus is saying in the parable that when, when, if you could really see it, if you could really uh, uh, pull back the curtain and see things as I see them, you'll, you'll see the massive, massive debt that I have relieved on your part what I've actually paid for you. We sing that song, Jesus paid it all. This is what he paid with his life. When he went to the cross and he paid for your sin and my sin, past, present, and future, the sins of the entire world, a massive debt was relieved. He not only emptied the boxes, he burned them. There's no boxes. Our eternity is secured. We have full forgiveness. That's what Jesus has offered us. Yet we can somehow towards others in our life go, well, hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I can forgive you for that. I don't know what you did was really wrong. It really hurt me. Meanwhile, Jesus has paid this massive, massive debt on our behalf. So what's Jesus modeling for us? When he says, forgive us our wrongs as we forgive those who have wronged us. How can we paraphrase it or put it into our language today? He's, he's essentially saying to ask and offer. Ask and offer. Forgive me, I forgive others right now. Forgive me, and this comes maybe a little more natural for us, but, but really spend some time here. Confess the things that you know. Be curious about maybe where your life has departed, where, where, where you've made some decisions or said some things that were hurtful to other people or somehow caused destruction. Confess those things, be specific and ask for forgiveness. But don't stop there. Forgive others as well. I forgive others right now. Ask yourself, who do I need to forgive? Be curious about it. Oftentimes it will come quickly, but it's a beneficial exercise to sit in that and go, okay, who, who, who am I holding a grudge against? E even just a little bit. 
Where might I have added to the boxes that I am holding on towards other people? And get really, really specific. Who do I need to forgive? Get specific and then forgive. Say it out loud. Release them in your heart. No more grudge. Let go of the grudge. And in a room this size, I imagine there's probably some really major things that are coming to mind right now. I'm not at all saying that it's easy. It's certainly not just something that we say once. It's not just a one-time decision. It's more of a process. It's more of a journey. In fact, in our... uh, I've been doing these week, weekday videos, Monday through Friday for this series. And on Tuesday, uh, I'm gonna interview my counselor. Um, who's been, she's been my counselor for over 10 years and she specializes in forgiveness. She teaches a 15 week course on forgiveness, barely scratches the surface. And we're gonna talk about this idea of is forgiveness just a decision or is it a process? Is it a journey? She's gonna speak to that. But, but however long, the journey takes for you to truly forgive someone, for you to truly be free, for you to truly let go again. That may take weeks, it may take months, it may take years, it may take a counselor, it may take a therapist, it may take a a spiritual advisor, spiritual director to, to walk through that with them. But however long, however long that process takes, this is the beginning. You have to be willing to forgive them. And you're not going to be willing to forgive them unless you see the grace that's been given to you first. So see God's grace for you. Leverage this grace that's been given to you. And then don't be an obstacle to it. Pass it on. Share it. Be a source of that grace in the world, not an obstacle to that grace in the world. When you do this, you'll live out this lifestyle that Jesus modeled for us in this more than words prayer. When he said, this then is how you should pray. You'll experience his life in you. When he said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Take my life upon you. It's part of what he meant. You don't have to walk around with all of this, carrying all of this, having all of this hold you back in life. You'll experience the life and the joy and the love that Jesus has for every single one of us. So as we wrap up today, as we wrap up this series, I've been paraphrasing the Lord's prayer throughout it. And I just want to paraphrase the entire thing right before we close. I want to paraphrase the entire thing for you um, so that you have it all in one chunk. And then I'm going to give you a way to keep this front and center for you um, this week. Here's, Here's the paraphrase. And again, we touched on this each of the weeks. Father, knowing who you're praying to matters. See God as your father, your Abba, your dad. He's close, never fails. He's for you. That's where we gotta start. Father, you're the greatest. You're the greatest. Help my ways be like your ways. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Just help my ways be like your ways. My actions, my desires, my interactions today. Help them look like you. Meet my needs. We talked about this last week. Meet my needs and help me see you doing it. I'm needy. I don't like saying that, but I am. I'm dependent on you. Meet my needs. Help me see you doing it. Forgive me. I forgive others right now. 
Use this as a moment to just pause and go, okay, where am I holding a grudge? Where do I even have a little bit of resentment? Who do I need to let go of today? God, forgive me. I forgive others right now. And then lastly, keep me from the things that cause destruction. That's the part of the prayer that says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's simply, it's simply saying, God, keep me from the things that will destroy me or destroy others around me. Keep me from the desires, the decisions, and the actions that cause destruction. God, keep me from the things. Keep me from the things that cause destruction. Now, we've taken this whole prayer and we have formatted it to be a background on your phone. It'll look something like this right here. And we would love for each of you to be able to download this. So um, uh, when, we, when, we're, uh, when we wrap up here, we'll, we'll put a QR code up. We'll put the website up as well. It's brownsbridge.org slash more than words. You can go there and you can download this as a backdrop. And you'll see, you can download it in two different colors, white or peach. You may not be able to see it because it's too far away, but you'll see what I mean when you look at it. So we've even given you options, okay? Color options for you, okay? Um, but he, here's, here's what I would ask you to do. I know you probably have lovely pictures on your phone, like as a backdrop or, or maybe a motivational quote or uh, you know, your, your, all your passwords maybe are just right there on the back of your phone. But what, whatever you've got, I would just ask that for a week, for one week, you would use this as your backdrop. Everybody in our church, every single person in our church would use this as their backdrop. And here's what'll happen when we do that. Every time we get a text, every time we get a phone call, every time we, we pull, try to pull up social media or do something else, this prayer will be in front of us, which again is more than just a prayer. It's more than just words. It's the life that we are to be living. So it will be a reminder of the life that Jesus wants to live in and through us. We'll pray this, keep it front and center. and It'll make a tremendous difference. In us, if you have a moment when, when it pops up, if you have a moment, pray it. It'll only take, it takes less than 30 seconds to pray this prayer, but pray it. And if you wanna do it for more than a week ongoing, that would be incredible. Because the longer you do it, the more it's gonna ingrain and it'll just become part of your life. But again, when we do this, it'll train us to do more than just pray words, but to live life in his direction. Let me pray for us and we'll be dismissed. Father, you're the greatest. You're the greatest. Help our ways be your ways. Meet me, meet us in our need and help us see you doing it. Forgive us, forgive me. And I forgive others right now. Every grudge, every resentment, every bit of bitterness. I just release them right now, I forgive them. I give them over to you. God, keep us from the things that cause destruction in our lives. We pray it all in Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. Um, you are dismissed. We're gonna put the QR code up on the screen. We'd love for you to join in on the videos this week. We got five more days of videos. And again, I'm gonna interview my counselor on Tuesday, which is gonna be a really, really cool thing. Thank you guys so much for being here. We'll see you next week.